We're walking through 2 Corinthians chapter 5 this week. This is day 3, and we're going to focus on verse 10 today because I know many people have a lot of questions about what Paul talks about here in verse 10. Let me read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Yesterday, we talked about the fact that we all live our lives with a goal in sight and an end in sight. The goal is to please him. That's how you live your daily life. And the end in sight that Paul talks about here, he talks about the judgment seat of Christ. Now, just that phrase, a lot of people read it and say, wait, wait, wait. I thought Christians weren't judged for their sins. I thought Jesus said in John 5 that when we come to him, we have passed out of judgment into life. So if we've passed out of judgment into life, why is there this uh, judgment seat of Christ? Why is Paul writing to a bunch of Christians here that they have to appear before this judgment seat? Well, you need to understand as you walk through the New Testament that there are two judgments talked about in the New Testament. There is the what's called the great white throne judgment, which is not talked about here. And there's another judgment, which is called the, the Bema judgment. Bema comes from the Greek word for judgment seat that's used here. The great white throne judgment is where the nations are judged for their sins and told why they will be separated from God for all of eternity. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you are not a part of that judgment. You've already passed out of death into life. As a believer in Jesus Christ, this picture that some people have of us all sitting before God, wondering if we've made it into heaven, and all of a sudden, somehow, God or one of his angels points at us and says, you're in, and we like swipe the sweat off of our forehead and say, I wasn't sure. There is none of that in the New Testament. What's in the New Testament is the moment you come to Jesus Christ, it's done, it's signed, sealed, and delivered. You are in Christ, and because you are in Christ, you are with him for all eternity. So we're not a part of this great white throne judgment about whether we're in God's presence or out of God's presence for all of eternity. That's already been settled. But there's a couple of places in the New Testament that talk about a judgment for believers. And it's called the Bema judgment for this word judgment seat. And it has to do with what God's gonna do with all of us at the end of time. Well, notice Paul says here, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. All, that means me, that means you, that means every believer who's ever lived. But this is not a judgment, again, of whether or not you will be in heaven for all eternity. This is a judgment that's about rewards or the loss of rewards in your faith, in the way that you've lived for Christ. Re remember, Paul has just talked about living to please the Lord. And then he immediately talks about this judgment. This is the place where all that you've done to please the Lord will be rewarded and rewarded all into eternity. And all that you've done to please just yourself or please just the things that are in this world will be lost. It'll just be, well, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 talks about it just being burned up as through the fire. I saw, years ago, I saw a great illustration of this judgment seat in a third grade elementary school class. It was the last day of school and we parents had joined the children and their teacher in the classroom. It was, it was she called it awards day. And that day, each child was to be given an award for the learning that they had accomplished all through that year and the character that they'd exhibited as they learned. M Mrs. Rhodes, the teacher, pulled out this stool, put it in front of the class, and each child was going to come and sit on this stool and receive th their rewards from their teacher. 
as she put the stool down, Mrs. Rhodes said, this is our awards chair. Actually, it's the same chair that was our test chair for the children's final oral test last week, but today it's the awards chair. And I thought, as she was saying that, what a picture of this moment when we stand before Jesus. We'll all be tested in the presence of Jesus. What we've built into our lives will be tested. Will it last or will it be lost? Our works will be tested. And then in the presence of all, in the presence of all, we will be rewarded for what we have done for that which does last. Just like every child in the class made their way to that chair on that day, every one of us will be rewarded for our faith. And that is what will be remembered. That's what will last all through eternity. Now, the question is, what lasts? If I know there's going to be a day when I sit in Jesus' presence and there's some that is lost and it'll be forgotten, not remembered, I don't know what it's going to feel like. There may be a moment of pain in that. There may not. The Bible doesn't tell us. What the Bible does tell us clearly is the ways that I've built into my life that is just temporary, that's not lasting, it's going to be lost. That's very clear. But the Bible also says to us very clearly, those ways that I've built in that last, the gold and silver and precious stones that 1 Corinthians 3 talks about, that is going to be rewarded. So what lasts? Well, the Bible tells us that faith hope and love lasts. So you build on faith because you hope, motivated by love, that's going to last. The truth is there are some very good things that even Christians do aren't going to last because they were built on my pride. The only reason I built that ministry, the only reason I built that church was because I wanted people to think well of me. That's not going to last. It wasn't motivated by love. It wasn't built on faith. And there are some things that no one's noticed in this world. They're going to last forever because it was built on faith, because somebody hoped, motivated by love in their life. Now, by the way, don't make a mistake about this. Sometimes I build in a selfish way. I may build a ministry or even a church based on my selfish motivations. I get no reward for that. But many people in that church or ministry, they may get reward for that because they have an unselfish spirit. That's why the ministry grew. That's why good things happened. It wasn't because of me. It was because of them. God's, God's a great God, and he's able to do things in that way. So faith, hope, and love, they last. What lasts? God's truth lasts. So you, you build your life on God's word. Now, what does it mean to build your life on God's word, the truth in God's word? It doesn't just mean you memorize verses, although I am a great proponent of memorizing verses, getting them into your heart and mind. It doesn't just mean that you do Bible studies. It means you act upon God's word. Every time you read a Bible verse and it causes you to think differently in that moment, to hope differently, to pray differently, you've just built something that lasts for all eternity. Every time you read a Bible verse and it causes you to love differently, to reach out to someone, to say something to somebody, to write a note, you've just built into your life in a way that lasts for all eternity. Every time you read a Bible verse and it causes you to say no to a temptation and yes to the holiness of God in your life, that day, that moment, you've just built something into your life that lasts for all eternity. God's truth lasts. And as you allow it to build into your life, that lasts in you forever. Faith, hope, and love, they last. God's truth lasts. Character lasts. You let God build into you the character that he has, character of honesty, a character of kindness, a character of goodness, a character of integrity, a character of caring for others, having a compassion towards other people. You let God build that into your life, that lasts forever. 
Now you let God build that into you and then through God's word, you become an example and through you, God builds that into somebody else. That double lasts. God's built into you and he's used you to be an example to build it into somebody else. Now there's a few other things that we could talk about, but let's focus on these today because I gotta live life today. You gotta live life today. How are you gonna live it? Am I gonna live for just stuff that's gonna be lost? Or am I gonna live for that which will last? You may think what I'm doing today is not that important. I'm in a menial job or I'm in a routine job or I've got a bunch of routine tasks. Let me ask you, can you do them with faith? Can you do them with hope? Can you do them with love? Praying about the people and for the people that you're interacting with? Trust in God for the strength to do that seemingly small thing that you're doing? If you can do that, you are building in ways that last. You see, the things that last in this world, we sometimes think are the great things that everybody notices. They are not. The things that last, the things that last are the things that are dependent on who God is, what God has taught us, and the character that God shows us. Let's pray together. Jesus, I want to live for what lasts. You might just say that to him. Jesus, I want to live for what lasts. So whatever I'm doing today, help me to do it by faith, trusting you for the strength. Whatever I'm doing today, help me to do it motivated by love your love within me, hoping in you, looking forward to eternity. I want to build in ways that last today. So I ask for the strength to do this, to see in brand new ways, to walk by faith, not by sight today. In Jesus' name, amen. Tomorrow we're going to look at the great truth. The old has gone, the new has come. <laughs>